to down to down to. Yeah. Miffed and peeved. Miffed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I don't want it's a real world. It's a real world. It's, 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 it's a real one. I don't use it. Not in your vocab? Down to down. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck, for part of DailyThunder.com. We're also featured on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 o'clock Central Time. If you're listening on Dash, welcome to our show. We're a Thunder show. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, this week was uh, okay, I would say. Uh, yeah. So we had like uh, some good games, some an incredible game, uh, emotion-wise, uh, in Philly, and um, the usual drop-off on Monday, Monday, and on Saturday. So it's the usual Thunder week, but with some good moments, I would say. Yeah, I, I guess we could have predicted that they'd lose to the two awful teams and then beat the two like, <laughs> pretty pretty good teams. <laughs> it's like the Thunder way this season for, for whatever. It's so frustrating because there's so many teams that they should have beaten along the way that they just laid an egg against. You know, yeah. if they'd have just won, I mean, they've what are they like eight out of? They've lost three games re- recently and against mm-hmm. New York. Charlotte, who is terrible, yeah. and then Brooklyn in Mexico. Yeah. And if they just win those three, then you're talking about a nine-game win streak. But they've won six out of the last nine, um, which is good. Like the th- I, I don't know. And it seems like every time that they start to get on a roll, something happens. Like the Thunder felt like they were gaining momentum, then Paul George misses two games. And then the Thunder felt like they were gaining momentum, and then... Uh, you know, Stephen Adams out with a concussion, and they were, had that triple overtime game where guys are playing at fifty minutes. I mean, the New York game was a schedule loss. I mean, basically, yes. I mean, I don't think that we need to like wring our hands over them losing to the Knicks, who shot an outrageous percentage from three, and the Thunder were exhausted. Like, there's just, I mean, yeah. that's that is just in an eighty-two game season, that's one that you lose. Yeah, uh, especially after what happens in Philly. I mean, maybe as a regular back-to-back without Porzingis, you, you hope uh, that the Thunder could show up. Uh, especially, especially like if they can close against Philly in regulation, which and right. this is, uh, I think, the main point that I want to discuss today. They should have. Um, and if they if they close out in for, in forty eight, then you should expect a win, uh, and that probably comes because I mean uh, Stephen is there, um, and the gang is less tired than what they were mm-hmm. with the triple overtime. Actually, it's, it was almost impossible, um, especially due to the um, shooting percentage of um, of the Knicks to, to to expect a win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just almost hilarious that Michael Beasley beat the Thunder the other night. Like I just honestly, I still can't even believe it. Um, so we can talk a few kind of basic stats for the Thunder right now. Their defensive rating, they're still third in the NBA at 101.4, uh, although that continues to drop. Uh, their offensive rating, according to NBA.com, 25th, 102.2. Wow. You know, you, th- you thought when they're at like 18 or like 22, you're like, okay, well, this is going to start to get better. Uh, it hasn't, it's gotten worse. And there's only here, are the teams that are, have a worse offense than the thunder, the Mavs, the Grizzlies, the Lakers, the Kings and the bulls. Um, everybody else in the NBA has a better offense, including the Charlotte Hornets, who, if you've only seen the play once a season, which, you know, I really only have, but you know, you look at their offense, like they've been awful. Uh, the Thunder have a worse offense than the Suns and the Nets and the Hawks and the Magic. And I mean, it's just like, wow, how are they doing this? Like, it's almost like it takes like a some kind of skill to be this awful yeah, on the offensive, com- offensive end. Yeah, it takes commitment to be this bad. It is awful. <laughs> um, net rating, they're 12th at a point eight. Uh, 
And you know that they're they are sliding back, you know, back where they probably should be in net rating. And for a long time, you're like, oh, you know, they have the seventh best net rating in the league. Uh, but you know, you have teams like even the Jazz and the Pacers and the Spurs that like have solid net ratings right now because they're winning games. And the Thunder just continue to you know hover around 500. Uh, they can't maintain that kind of you know net rating they're they're starting to show who they are right now and i still think that they can be better they have to be better than the 25th ranked offense like they just i just don't i don't know i just don't think they can continue to shoot this poorly um i don't i don't know what do you, what do you think about that so in the last few weeks i tried to research a bit on Russ's struggles in leading uh, a unit on the floor. And I basically checked um, all the history of Russell Westbrook in terms of lineup uh, since the lockout season, so 2012. And my research was as follows. I tried to detail all the lineup uh, with, um, with that Russell played with, with more than 50 minutes because it's a reasonable amount to have some sort of reliable data. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I detailed the number of shooters on the, on the court and the number of defenders on the court. So there is only one lineup in Russ's career that has three or more shooters that has actually a negative net rating mm-hmm. and it is Westbrook, Morrow, Durant, Ibaka, Adams. Uh, and so you can argue you can argue that uh, Ibaka is not like a pure shooter, but in 2016 he was. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and there was Anthony Morrow that was like a, a real liability on defense. Uh, much more than Alex Sabrinas is uh, today. But again, it is the only lineup with negative net rating and still had like a 1.13 offensive rating. All the other lineups are positives. And the one with the better shooters, like with um, Kevin Martin uh, at the the two guard or um, with um, even with Derek Fisher. (laughs) I mean, all the lineup where you can count, the the best one is actually Westbrook, Fisher, Harden, Durant and and Nick Collison, which gives you like the the perfect uh, spacing and passing uh, among all the lineup I check. Mm -hmm. And so the first the first uh, thing was, yes, Russ with free shooters is something you have to go to. And the other thing was, there, there's not many lineups with Westbrook and free shooters out there. Most of the lineup has one, two, or even zero <laughs> shooters um, with him on the court. So it's really weird that for a franchise that wants to maximize the talent, Russ never had free reliable shooter to go along every single night. The only season was the one in 2013 where actually Tabo was shooting 40% plus. And guess what? The, that unit with uh, Tabo, Durant, Durant, KD, and Perkins uh, and Ibaka was probably the best lineup in the league. Hmm. That's really interesting. So, so uh, the point was, why are we keeping these uh, lineups and I'm not saying just starting. Uh, it's fine to start with the old defense, like with Robertson, uh, with Robertson out there. My point is, why are we not pairing Russ with three shooter as much as we can? Because this alone unlocks so much for him. Unlocks like a space picking, um, a spread picking role. Um, he has more time, more space to drive, and all these things that we know. And so I, I'm really, really curious on understanding why this is not the case this season. It's a great question. <laughs> and you've seen it. I, I don't know. You've seen it throughout the season. And I know that there was a video put out on Twitter yesterday about how Robertson helps the offense. And I think that he is doing some things that are different this season that are helpful. But it's not as helpful as it would be if you had someone that could shoot out there with him. Um, because he needs space to drive. And if he, and if he has that, uh, he's not taking all these stupid jumpers that he has been all season. Uh, and I think that you're getting a higher percentage shots overall um, if you have an aggressive driving Russell Westbrook. Um, but whenever one side of the floor is is dead or parts of the floor are dead because you have a guy that people don't have to guard and you could be double teamed and you know I mean you just saw it against Philly. You know, oh yeah, they throw the ball to Mello because he was hot. Well, all they had to do was have JJ Redick double team, and then the, it's blown up. Like, well, now the Thunder are like, well, what do we do? We don't, we don't know what to do now. It's like, okay, I don't. And Fred said this, like, why not run like up and, 
down screen for Carmelo Anthony. Like what? I mean, it's just really, it's, it's just odd. Um, but I, I know that, you know, Robertson made some huge plays down the stretch when he stripped Embiid. That was monstrous. His ability to, oh, yeah. def- to defend JJ Redick was incredible. I'm not going to, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be on the floor. Um, but you know, I don't know why he didn't go offense defense, you know, whenever he, when Billy had the chance to, um, down the stretch of that game where you put in, you know, you put in a Brinus or you, you know, put in at least an extra offensive player, Patrick Patterson, who's been, who's really turned on as the guy mm-hmm. that, you know, we thought that he would be, uh, I, I mean, Robertson is just the ultimate conundrum and he just mm-hmm. continues to be that, you know, he's great defender, awful on the offensive end. And he just, you know, what's what's the best thing for this team? And you're like, well, I don't know. Sometimes it is Dre and sometimes it's not. It's just, it's tough. Like you wish that the Thunder had a guy like, I don't like a Courtney Lee or a Wes Matthews or somebody like that where you didn't have to like sacrifice one end or the other. And I know those guys are like not that easy to get, but like I feel like I named two that would be that you could get. And I know that Wes Matthews makes a ton of money and he's old and you know, whatever. The, the Thunder need a two way wing worse than maybe they ever have at this point. Um, because they just need they need more space and they need to continue to keep up the defense. Um, and they don't have a guy that can do that right now. Yeah. I mean, I am not sure they need to go on the trade market to find a guy to fill the roster. I don't really think that. So if you look at the lineup that closed out with, with Philly, you had Russ, uh, Andre, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Patrick Patterson. That lineup has four guys that can space the floor reasonably well, plus one great defender. Mm-hmm. There's no need to use that lineup only in crunch time or only in emergency situations. Well, only when Adams fouled out. I mean, they weren't. Yeah, use, exactly. They, they weren't going to use it. Exactly. That lineup is awesome in switching one through five. Awesome. Yeah. I and and to, and disclaimer. I think and. Probably um, I'm not the only one that thinks this way. Adams has a case to be the best player of OKC so far. The best one. Not the one part of the big three. The best one. He had. He is the reason why OKC has these wins. Because mm-hmm. he, he basically anchored the defense. He's a, a great communicator. He is doing so many things for OKC. So he, he has a case. Maybe he's not. Maybe it's Paul George. Maybe uh, sometimes it's for us. But, but Adams has been awesome this season and yet if you have just one non-shooter on the floor either him or robertson this team works just works it is in numbers it is the it passes the eye test even in new york's uh, in the loss against new york the minutes with alex abrinas even if the shot doesn't go in the space is there and everyone else is playing better just because of that so i i really now I'm convinced probably uh, it's because I'm like uh, too stubborn uh, on, on this topic and OKC didn't give me the, the any reason to think otherwise. But I think that Billy has all the tools to make it work. Really all the tools. He just has to play more Abrinus and Patterson to have space out there. I don't get like no one gets why Grant gets minutes at the four with Adams. No one. Yeah, I mean, it's he's not good as a four. He is completely fine as a backup five. Completely. If you want to take that lineup that I just discussed and put uh, Grant instead of, of Robertson, things work the same because you have a switch lineup, which is incredibly important coming play of time. But in, for some reason, Billy doesn't value the space as much as he can. And and again, uh, and then I, I'll, I'll I'll finish with this uh, rant. I, I read the tweet and I watched the video of Nigeria, and I was discussing with uh, with Fred this the same topic this morning, and we were saying, well, yes, these are three possessions where the reads that that Robertson does are awesome, but to exploit that those little things takes an enormous amount of energy and awareness, and maybe you don't see it because Andre is not doing that every possession. Having a shooter helps you immediately. <laughs> you don't need to to, to, to do uh, to set like weird screens. You don't need to, to go in 
very complicated reads on offense, especially when you are struggling. You just have the space there. There's nothing to do. The, the, if you have a premium on the floor, there is defender will never let him alone. Yep. Never. Even if and he's shooting 38%. I know that everyone's saying, is saying that he's in a shooting slump or whatsoever. He's shooting 38% <laughs> from three. No one <laughs> is leaving him open. No one. Uh, Rent over. Yeah, that's that's not okay. <laughs> um, yeah, to the point about Grant and Adams are minus 12 on the season as a two-man tandem. And then if you look out of like the top 11 or the, the 11 worst two-man groups uh, per NBA.com, one, two, three, four, five include Jeremy Grant, um, which is a lot. You see that name a lot. And we're also seeing Patterson's name a lot because he had a really awful start to the season. And I think those numbers are going to start to turn around. Um, but you're right. It, it's just really difficult to be a non-shooter in, in this day and age. And the, the way mm-hmm. that the way that how smart defenses are, um, how smart these teams are, how well scouted everything is. Uh, it's just really, really tough to be a non-shooter in this league. There are very few successful non-shooters in this NBA. And it's especially hard if you're not, one, a center, or two, a guy that can at least handle the ball. Um, mm-hmm. When you're a guy that has to play off ball uh, and you're basically just a defender, uh you know, life's tough for that type of yeah. player. It really is. Yeah. yeah. No, y- y- your point about being able to, to dribble the ball and to handle the ball is crucial. And that's why Marcus Smart can play larger minutes because he can actually handle. Yeah. And a small correction on my part, uh, Abrinas is 36%. 38 was before the two games against uh, Philly and, and New York. But still, this is an above average, above league average percentage. So you have to guard him. Yeah, and the Thunder, I mean, they're they're desperate for guys that can just sh- shoot it from deep. I mean, Jeremy Grant, 11 of 42 on the season, 26%. Robertson, 7 of 33, 21%. I mean, it's just, it's tough. I mean, and you know, Patrick Patterson, he is creeping up on 40% from three, uh, which is, yeah, I think people would be surprised to hear that. He's 23 of 58 on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's... He's starting to become that guy. And also our guy, Josh Eustis. You know, everybody talks about like 35%. It's like if you can hit that number, you you know, that's a, that's a great number for people to be at the, from three. That's where Josh Eustis is right now. He's 14 yeah. of 40 on the season, 35% from three. And our guy, Terrence Ferguson, 13% from three, two of 15 on the season. Um, <laughs> you know, the Jeremy Grant minutes at four are puzzling. The Terrence Ferguson yeah. minutes, period, are even more puzzling to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I just don't, I just don't get it. Like the minutes that he gets over Josh, I think is insane. Like I just don't. I mean, if if they're developmental minutes, like I'm just that I will. I'm just banging my head against the wall. Like why? Like what are you developing for? Like you may you developing for when Paul George is gone and Carmelo Anthony opts out. Like is that what you're developing him for? Like what's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, on that end, I, I had I have mixed feelings because on one end you don't want to you don't want to stop the development of players, and if you feel that Terence is getting much better as the day passes, just because he can have those minutes on the court, then in some games you can you can probably put him there. Uh, and as long as he plays hard and he practices, probably that's why he, they are giving him those minutes. Yeah. But on the other end, you're completely right. I mean, Josh Eustis, can you guess the percentage he shoot in December from three? Oh, in December, like yeah. 60%? 56. 56. 56. Man. And, and the thing is, he's... He's not taking that many, so he's right. these are out of rhythm trees that that can actually. I mean, you you want to see if that sample size is real or not. Giving minutes, he's a good defender. Right. He can guard. He, he guarded and spots good shooters like Bogdanovich, good players like Oladipo. He he switched on Collison. He switched on um, against Indy against Young. I mean, you have. You have already tons of examples that Josh is actually okay on defense, like more than okay. So if you want defense and you're craving for spacing, put him out there. Try him at the end of games, especially if Robertson is in a minute restriction. 
maybe you'll see that that lineup will work on defense as well. And you have a tiny little bit more of space that makes your offense better. Yeah. And I, I would have, and he did, Billy did defense for offense. That's why I was kind of questioning why he didn't do it against Philly, but he did it with Abrinas and Houston against the Pacers. And I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't, I mean, I love Alex Abrinas, but I like, let's just, I'd kind of like to see what this looks like, you know, going both ends with Josh closing the game instead of like regulating him to like a defensive specialist, which, you know, it's fine, but. I just, I don't know. I just, I was a little bit interested to see what that would look like on the other end. But, um, I did like that, the, the way he used the, those guys and, you know, the minutes that Abrinas played, you know, when Robertson were out, was out, or I thought were, you know, good. And it's just good to see him get a chance after just, and this is another thing. Like, I feel like there's a few things you can really criticize Billy for. Uh, one of them is Alex just not being in the rotation. You know, a couple of weeks ago, like mm-hmm. completely out of the rotation. Like, yeah. What in the world are you doing there? Like that makes no sense. I know that he wasn't shooting well, but you're just going to pull him off the court. I mean, that just made, I mean, that made no sense. I mean, this is a guy that there are, you know, I don't think that Terrence Ferguson is going to play in the playoffs. I think there's a chance that Josh may not play in the playoffs. Uh, Alex Sabrinas is going to play in the playoffs. He's one of the best eight players on this team. Like no question. Um, mm. And I just don't understand not playing him. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just his, I thought that was crazy. Yeah, it was. Uh, and it is, again, it's very, very weird. Do you, uh, do you want to, do you want to hear like a weird, weird stats? Yes. About Thunder season? Like it's, it's, it's completely, it's completely random. So don't, don't put any trust into what I'm saying. Okay. Guess the number of losses that OKC has when Eustace plays more than 16 minutes? Oh, three? None. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird, right? Oh, boy. Uh, How many games has he played with more than 16 minutes? Uh, uh, basically, uh, so, one, two, against Philly, Indiana, Golden State, um, Dallas, in uh, in OKC, the one at home. Yeah. Uh, Clippers, Chicago, Indiana at home. Full stop. So eight or nine, something like that. I just don't. it's weird. It is the the whole Josh Houston thing is weird. Like all of it, every single bit of it. The choosing him in the first round. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Uh, putting him in the <laughs> D League and keeping him there. Super weird. Put him on the roster. Not even giving him a chance when this team is, you know, they're having their season of discovery or whatever. They didn't didn't use him. And now, like, they've got him. He's shooting 35% from three. He's shown that he can defend multiple positions. And you don't even use him every game. And then, half, you know, part of the season, they go to Kyle Singler. (laughs) <laughs> like play him over Josh. Like what is going on? Like this is all so weird. Uh, I don't. I don't know. And they decline his fourth year option. I. I don't. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for for Josh and like the way he's been yanked around. Like on most teams. Like oh, like we have a guy that can shoot it and that can defend. Great. You're playing at least fifteen to twenty minutes a night. Like that's you're you're in the rotation. Now, if he played for the yeah. Hawks, you know he'd probably play thirty minutes a night for for the Atlanta Hawks. This, I mean, oh yeah, I mean it's just it's it's the kind of guy that people are that teams are looking for. Like everybody's like the team needs a, a two way wing. Well, I feel like they have one that they just don't use that often. And maybe he's not a guy that can start. Maybe he's not a thirty minute a night guy. Fine, but if he's if you have a fifteen minute a night guy that can come in and hit a three and not kill you on the defensive end. Like you just have, I just don't understand him being in and out of the rotation. I just think it's 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 maddening. There's a lot of things that are maddening about this season, um, and rotations and stuff like that. And I know it's Billy being Billy, um, but I think you know when you're losing this much, I think that you're it, the the frustration is probably is just boiling over for fans, for the team, for everybody. I feel like. And some of it is to me, I don't think that this is losing them as you know, so many games, but I think it's lost them a few games. Is just that Billy's just screwing around at the lineups too much. 
Yeah, part of that is just having on the court the guys who show uh, to be aggressive. Um, yeah. Whereas, I mean, Josh and Alex, uh, they don't show to be aggressive. I think I think that they are, as Jeff and Gandhi um, described, used to. They had they they are sound player. Like they know yeah. where to be. They have feel for the game, and for some reason, uh, they. They are not in Billy's favor, so I'm all in in finding a shooter that that Billy trusts. Because right. if you if you if you tell me that Alex Abrines will be a better player than X Y player, but X Y player will play 25 to 30 a night in OKC and he's a, as good as a shooter, fine, trade him. I mean, I don't care. Uh, well, I partially care because I mean, it's. I mean, they they put already too many chips. Well. A lot of chip in the, into the season, yeah. but if you can find a shooter that Billy trusts, then I think that this will make this team incredibly better immediately. Yeah, and that's, I mean, all that's the why I've advocated for like a Courtney Lee trade or something yeah, like the, that. The Knicks are not going. I mean, I would love that. That that would be like a home run for where OKC is at right now. Yeah, just someone that Billy and. You know, Marco Bellinelli is another name that's like floating around there. Like, I, oh. I don't, I don't, <laughs> and you know him well, obviously. Oh. Um, and I don't, I don't see that. Like, I just don't, I think you're bringing in a, a, another like non defender. And I just don't, I think they, they just need to find a two way guy if they're going to yeah. trade for one. Trivia How many players are RPM better than Marco Bellinelli this year? <laughs> 300? No, I should have in uh, shooting guard spots. Oh, shooting guard spot. Uh, yeah. Oh boy, a <laughs> hundred. Yeah, close to that. Ninety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he has a good uh, uh, like RPM overall because of his offense. Um, he's shooting okay. I mean, Marco is when engaged. He's a good player. Uh, I mean, I saw him in various situations with the national team um, that I follow closely. I also follow that for chart side this season. Um, and so we have a lot of data. And when Marco was on the floor this season, like offensive-wise, Italy was totally another, uh, another team. Um, and defensively, he can give you like five to ten minutes of focus mm-hmm. uh, on some nights. But for the rest, he's rust-like, so he doesn't like to to, to be. Uh, he, he tends to fall asleep on off-ball movement, and so since he will hardly guard any um, ball handler, he's probably the worst defensive uh, guy that you can look for out there, uh, regular season-wise. Maybe in, in coming playoffs time, he will be better uh, for sure. But um, yeah, so my point is, if this is if Billy trusts him to be on the court, even Marco can give this team a help, like a huge help. Mm-hmm. You're just describing to me a guy that Billy would never play, though. That, yeah, that, that's that's my point. So, I mean, Alex is much more disciplined uh, defensive-wise. He he has, I mean, Marco has a bigger body than Alex for sure. He's probably tougher um, in like as a as a post defender. But for the rest, I mean, Alex is much more aware. Of his position, beside the fact that he's getting like a lot of whistle uh, in, tra- in fouling trees. Um, apart from that, he is really aware of where he is on the court. So Alex is not a, as a bad def- as a as bad as team defender as people want to describe him. Uh, but for sure, he has he, he has some struggle during the season, and, and and Billy doesn't trust him in current situation. Uh, before we preview this week's games, I'm going to tell you about something real good, Michele. It's Andy's Frozen Custard. Tell me, tell me if this sounds good to you. The apple, okay. apple pie concrete, they take a piece of apple pie, put it in a cup, put in their uh, frozen custard, blend it all up. Looks so good. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It looks so good. Oh, I can bet. Um, they have their eggnog shake, so if you like eggnog, you can go get that. Um, this is probably my favorite of their holiday treats, the candy cane concrete. Um, so you can get chocolate or vanilla frozen custard blended with candy cane pieces. Ooh, it's so delicious. Go check out Andy's frozen custard today. Uh, I was in Missouri over the weekend and there are, there's like an Andy's like every mile there. It felt like, uh, so great. So if you are blessed enough to live up there, 
You can go to Andy's for sure. If you live in the Oklahoma City area, uh, there's one over on Northwest Expressway. There's one in Edmond. Uh, so please go check those out. There's some in Dallas as well. So if you live near an Andy's frozen custard, please, one, go get one because they're so good. And two, support the people that support Down to Dunk. And Andy's does support us. Uh, so please go get yourself an Andy's frozen custard. You can tell them that Down to Dunk sent you. They'll probably look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but if you want to confuse somebody and eat some really good custard, go eat Andy's frozen custard. Tom Down to Dunk sent you. All right. Oh, I'm looking at the picture right now. Oh, you are? Disgusting. Yeah, yeah. These look... I mean, I, mean I, I just finished lunch, so I, I'm i craving for a dessert, and this yeah. will this look awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, the apple pie sundae. They have just a sundae, too, that has mm-hmm. just the pie in, in this cup, and it's got two scoops of the custard with caramel drizzled on it. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. It's 7 o'clock in the morning here, and that's what I, that's what I need right now. Um... Uh, the Thunder, they, you know, I'm done predicting basically what they're going to yeah. do. Or Let's miss. keep that. <laughs> um, so they play Denver tonight at home. Uh, then they play Utah at home on Wednesday. And then they have another back-to-back where they play uh, at Atlanta. And then, at, mm-hmm. or no, no, Atlanta at home and then Utah on the road. And so those are our four games that we'll preview this week. Uh so they've they've got you know a pretty easy week you know Denver's yep. solid you know, especially with if they play without Adams again tonight like that's a really tough matchup. Um, and they then, don't have Jokic, right? Jokic has been playing. Let me let me check what his status is. Um, but I think that he, unless he got hurt again, um, he's been playing. Okay. Um. Because, yes, if he's in, then they have troubles. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Adams, I feel like, has been able to, like, out-physical Jokic in the past. And that's been, mm-hmm. you know, something. Yeah, so, he's playing. Yeah, he's, he's playing. Paul Millsap is out. Emmanuel Moutier left the, the game with an ankle sprain, and they don't know if he'll play tonight. But everybody else is available um, against the Thunder tonight. So, yeah, I mean, this this Denver team, uh you know they're sixteen and thirteen. They have they hold the fifth spot in the West right now. Uh, they're a really really good offensive team. They're seventh in offense. They're twenty third in defensive rating. Uh, so like, the, and you know this is like similar to like the Knicks, like a terrible defensive team. Uh, you think the Thunder could get going, you know, against a team like this. And so, and I, you know, you know, if you're the Thunder, you have Russ, Paul George, Mello still with some decent role players around them, even without Steven Adams. Like that's to me, like that's enough. Like I, I know that Steven yeah. Adams is to your point, like he has been like one, he has probably been the best player uh, for this team, the most important player because he holds together the defense and his offensive, his offensive ability is taking a big leap this season. And so he probably mm-hmm. has been the best player of the season, the most consistent player out of all these guys. And so they do miss him. Uh, but they did win three games without him earlier this season uh, yep. when Dakari started. So it's like it's possible to win games without him. And, you know, it would really be a, a gutsy win you know, if he's still under the concussion protocol. It'd be a gutsy win to win against his Denver team at home. And it's something they should be able to do. Um, but I have my doubts. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, kind of a good way to start the week uh, as they're supposed to, not like uh, last week where they uh, they played terribly, as we said. Yeah. Um, this team, they have like a lot of wings that can create problems. Uh, I mean, I, I I like their young point guard rotation, um, but they, as you said, they are not good defensively. So Russ, Paul, and, and Carmelo should have easy looks uh, if they search for mm-hmm. uh, easy looks um, because they can be easily... I mean, Gary Harris is a good defender, um, not a great one as people want to picture him to be. Um, I think that this tr- it will struggle um, with length because, I mean, um, if, if they slide him in, onto Russ, then they will probably slide a subpar defender or an old defender um, on on Paul George. So I expect Paul to have, like, Paul can have a very good game. Um, and he's due to have one of those. I mean, the last last week after his injury, he's, he hasn't, hasn't been, like, um, 
most of the game hasn't been in self. Mm-hmm. So I hope that this uh, three-game uh, homestand, uh, he will be more, much more active. I mean, we saw when Steven Adams uh, went down the first time and they played the curry three times, basically those were the games where Paul uh, hit 40 in back-to-back games. And so this can be a week where uh, since they don't they don't face great defenses except for Utah, he can have like a great um, great uh, game uh, against Denver and probably um, one against um, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, it it would be nice to have a few Paul George games yeah. this week. Uh, I wanted to ask you this, and I forgot to ask this in the first segment. What do you think about the no big three lineups? The uh, the bench, the all bench lineups. Well, I have, I mean, it's okay to, the, the, the rationale that Billy gave for those lineups, which is I want to give Carmelo, Paul, and Russ more time together to help the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, fine. I, I like that. And I think um, it is a good way uh, to, it is a good way to handle that question. To me, uh, the second lineup things is, is what uh, puzzled me another thing that puzzled me a lot because at the beginning of the season they went to Carmelo and things were working and now they don't work as well that lineup had good ratings so far Mm -hmm. but I wonder if that is situational that for sure part of that is Patrick Patterson playing out of his mind um, that lineup and so if if he can keep up um, then maybe that lineup can have like a lot of success. But I keep wondering, and also in the Philly game where when Paul had uh, foul trouble, Melo anchored the second unit again, and it was awesome. So I wonder if you can play a similar lineup, but with Melo as your anchor offensively instead mm-hmm. of like take out Ferguson and put in Melo on that lineup. How that how that looks. <laughs> It just sounds just wonderful to me. <laughs> and I'm becoming kind of a Terrence Ferguson hater a little bit. I don't I don't hate I don't hate him. I just don't think that he's ready. I just think that he he could use some time in the G League. Like let him play thirty minutes a night in the G League for a month and just I don't know. Let him develop his skills there. Let him develop his ball handling skills. Let him, you know, see what he can do because I think that he could blow up the G League if given the chance. But as far as like NBA minutes with this team, I just I just don't see it. Especially when you have guys that can play, I just don't see it. But like the big three together, yeah, it's like hard on the season. They're tw- they're a plus fifty nine on the season as a trio. Yeah, like we know it works. You know, in the yeah, second- but but check check Paul and, and Russ together. I mean, yeah. they have. I mean, the big trio is fine. Paul George. And Russ is fine. So plus, why don't plus we, seventy? Those yeah. two. Why don't we? Yeah, yeah. Why don't we? Uh, we should check without Melo. But anyway, um, why don't we go to that more? Like, why don't we use? Why don't they use um, Melo? Uh, Melo is a not many minutes, like five, five to six minutes with the second unit by himself. Yeah. No, I. I don't disagree, and I think that that would make him pretty happy to be able to yeah. have to be able to use those possessions. You know, yeah. I think the Mel would really like that. Uh, the top four, or I'll give you the top five two man duos, and these numbers are noisy. I know that. Um, number one, Russ and Paul George plus seventy. Number two, Paul George and Mello plus sixty four, which is also kind of interesting to maybe you know pull Russ early and then mm-hmm. use Russ as your second unit guy. Or he can just be Russ of last season, you know, with whoever is out there. I think that's kind of a, would be interesting too. Russ Abrinas is a plus fifty eight. Uh, Paul George Abrinas a plus fifty seven, and then the fifth best is Russ and uh, Andre Robertson plus fifty two. So kind of kind of interesting uh, to to see those two men combos again. They're noisy, but I think they're interesting to look at. Yeah. Uh, Anything else on Denver? Uh, I know that we only touched on them briefly, but you know they're a young team, not a great defensive team, but they are great on the offensive end. They really work the ball, um, and they can bury you. Which you know, if the Thunder get lazy and they tend to against teams that they see as inferior to them, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Thunder could get buried again tonight by a team that likes to take threes that you know takes high efficiency shots. Yeah, 
You know who is surprising me the most in Denver lately? Trey Lyles. Yeah. I mean, Lyles was a, was a hell of a prospect coming into the league. He yeah. was seen as one of the prototypical modern um, stretch four um even able to play like spot up minutes as a five in smaller lineups and he's finally bring it together so um, i mean he he's a guy that basically denver traded donovan mitchell for him right roughly yeah that's a terrifying and, statement for denver fans <laughs> yes but if lyles is the is the guy who played like the last week or if they can well it's hard to give him many minutes uh with the front court rotation that they have right. especially with Millsap comes back but hell he he he's shooting the ball particularly well and he will be uh, a hell of a matchup for melo yeah now he's or or for patterson or for anyone he's shooting 49 from three wow this season he's very skilled like a very very skilled offensive player um not the best defender and he's well and to, to speak about his offense like he's played Wancho off the floor. Like he's he's ahead yeah. of Hernan Gomez right now, and that's a guy that people, another guy that people have kind of fallen in love with um, on Denver. Yeah. But Denver just has too many too many bigs, too many fours at this point, and you know their best one yeah. obviously shelved right now in Paul Millsap. So uh, they mm. they could they could consolidate those guys. I don't know. Maybe maybe we throw them a Jeremy Grant that give us a good shooting four pack. <laughs> No, I don't think that will happen. But uh, I know, I just have my no. fingers crossed about it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they can pull it off. Uh, do you think Jeremy Grant? I, we talked about this on Friday. Like, I, I think that Jeremy Grant may be like the most likely guy to be traded and the guy that should be traded on this roster. What, what, do, what would be your answer to that question? Um, I think he's the guy who should be traded. And I think he's the guy who can be traded as a part of a package. So yeah. um, I, I think they, not because he's a bad player. Uh, I tweeted about him uh, to a couple of days ago uh, that if he has a shot, then he's a valuable player for KC. If he hasn't, and it seems that way, he becomes uh, like one of the Billy's favorites who is actually hurting the team to me. Yeah, I and I all of last season when he's making threes, I'm just like I don't know. Okay, that is, yeah, it doesn't. Like I don't know if that's real. Like it doesn't look real to me, but he keeps making it. So like I don't know what to do with that. And this season, mm-hmm. and this season, like you're like, oh okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like he's missing threes. I get it. Um, you know, I said that he could be a wild card to you know hit a decent percentage from three, just because I didn't know. Like I have no idea, like if this guy's a three point shooter or not. And he's kind of shown and evolved, and he's not he hadn't take that, taken that many, you know, compared to his minutes. Like he hadn't taken that many threes, um, mm-hmm. and he's kind of knows who he is. But you're right if if he could hit a three, if he was a, a wing that could play the four and the five and hit a three, like that's one of the more valuable players in the NBA. But I just don't think that that's yep. who he is. Um, on to Utah. So Rudy Gobert hurt his knee. That's uh, sad. It's it's been a rough season for Gobert. Um, sprained PCL in his left knee and a bone bruise in his tibia. Um, I think he'll be out about a month. So the Thunder play this team twice this week. So they'll know Rudy for these two games. Uh, Derek Favors missed the last game. He had a uh, left eye laceration. He'll likely play in both games against the Thunder. Uh, obviously, Dante Exum's out. Um, and then uh, Howell Neto has a concussion. So he's going through concussion protocol. Um, but I think he he is cleared to play tonight against the Rockets. Um, mm-hmm. So the, this Utah team is obviously very gritty. They're a great defensive team um, mm-hmm. as they you know, as they always have been with, with this particular core, um, minus, um, Gordon Hayward, obviously, but he, they're seventh mm-hmm. in defense, 13th in offense. Like this is a, this is a good team. They're 18 and 12, uh, or the, that's their expected win loss. What are they? No, they're 14 and 16. Their expected yeah. win loss is 18 and 12, 14, 16. They're ninth in the Western conference. Um, you know, they're below 500, but like the thunder, like this is a good team. That's below 500. And this is a this is a team that you don't want to mess around with. And the Thunder saw them, you know, not too long ago, and they ended up getting one of their better wins of the season, in my opinion. Um, and so, you know, Donovan Mitchell is the leading scorer for this team, which is kind of crazy, uh, being a rookie. 
uh, 42% from, from the field, 37 from three, 18 points per game, three assists, a steal. He's, he's a good defender. He's, he's a guy that we really liked in the draft process. He's already 21 years old. Um, but he's like, he's a really good NBA player, maybe even better than a guy that people, you know, in Oklahoma city love to talk about because he could have been on the thunder and Rodney hood. Um, but Mitchell, Mitchell's really good. But beyond that, like this team relies on guys to just hit shots like a Joe Ingles, who's been really solid this season. Like they definitely rely on him to hit shots and he's still, you know what Joe Ingles is shooting from three this season? Uh, 49, 48. He's 46% from three. Oh, okay. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that, I mean, if you, if you, if you give me the opportunity to choose one player, which is a non star player that can help this team the most, probably him and Middleton yeah. would be the, well, and well, of course there's Danny green and uh, plenty of, but I mean the, the prototypical player that can pass the ball, that can shoot an open three and even, and even move around screen. I mean, Ingles is what every team should look for in terms of a glue guy that can do a bunch of stuff that probably right. isn't going to, to close the game for you um, because it's not as good as a defender. I mean, we saw that against OKC in the last few minutes. He wasn't able to really get a stop, but he's a sound player that can do multiple stuff on offense and that can like shoot the ball like crazy. And I, I really love him. I mean, he was a kind of a joke uh, in the first few seasons of his NBA career because mm-hmm. he was this uh, weird guy that that does crazy stuff on the floor, at least in Europe. And, um, and then he he gets with Quinn Snyder and he blossoms into this awesome player. Uh, <laughs> he's such I a mean, Quinn Snyder. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, go ahead about Quinn Snyder. No, I mean, I, I, I was quest. I was kind of um, skeptical about him as a coach, but when you when you look into the development that his wing player have uh, during their career, I mean, he, he, we spoke about Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is playing great basketball. Mm-hmm. Part of it is part is just his talent, but part is Quinn Snyder is able to put their player in the best situation for them to succeed, and especially wing player. And so I'm, I really love the work that he did with uh, with Award, and we'll, we are seeing that now with when he when he has like healthy player, his wing rotation is one of the best. He he's very good. Like he's got a yeah. guy like Alec Burks playing really well. Exactly. He's even yeah. taken this older rookie Royce O'Neal and turned him into a, a guy that can be on the court. And and Tabo as well. They have eight oh, yeah. guys, they have eight guys that are shooting thirty seven percent or better from three. Donovan yeah. Mitchell thirty seven, Royce O'Neal thirty eight percent, Alec Burks thirty eight percent, Rodney Hood forty two percent, Tabo Cephalosha forty two percent. On two attempts a game, Drebko forty five percent, Howell Neto forty five percent, Joe Ingles forty six percent. I mean, they're they're hot from three to start the season. Um, and that's why they have as many wins as they do with all the crazy injuries that they've had. Um, but they've got a lot of wings, like they like all, almost all those guys I named are wings um, that they have that are you know hitting shots. You know, a guy like Tabo was available this summer for little to nothing. I can't remember what he signed in Utah. I'm going to look it up real quick. But, you know, that's a, that's a guy that the Thunder really could use right now. And, and you know, who knows if he's, you know, hitting these kind of shots. Um, no, that that is and, basically my point. They are generating you know, the, good choice. Right. Good shots. 5.2 like million for the next two mm. seasons for Tabo. And no, on, on that team, it's, it's great. And they just, and we talked about this the last time they played, like they hunt good shots and they pass yeah. the ball a ton and they play deep into the shot clock because they are looking for the best shots. Like they're like almost in every way, the anti thunder offense, you know, the ball ends up where the best shot is, not where the best player is. It always looks for the best shot and the thunder, uh, rarely do that. And you know, with the Thunder, the talent that the Thunder have, they don't have to do that. I'm not saying like, you know, jazz good, Thunder bad. Uh, I'm just saying it's very different. And the Thunder could, you know, in spots try to do that. And they can generate the kind of shots that Utah is looking for with ease. Like you can take two passes before you get that really great shot because you have so many guys that have gravity on the court. Um, 
but you know, the Thunder could they could learn some things from how the Jazz play on the offensive end because they don't they don't have a ton of talent, but they're obviously I mean they're maximizing what what they have on the offensive end being the 13th best uh, offense like that team should be the 13th best offense but it's just because they play they play a really really good style of basketball um that fits what they have um and the thunder still are really yet to have a true identity on the offensive end and so and it's you know frustrating as many games as they played but you know it's kind of is what it is and you'd like to see the thunder start to develop that identity you know soon but I mean, it's it's hard to say at this point when when that's going to happen, when they're going to get it together. Yeah, it is. And I was thinking about um, the few games where uh, Abrina start, and mm-hmm. part. I mean, the results weren't great. Let's let's be honest. I mean, he shot the ball poorly in two of those games. But if you look at the shot quality they were generating with him on the floor, I mean, if you give that kind of movement and that that kind of looks time. It's almost guarantee that you can generate good shot and it will come out in the percentage sooner or later. I mean, if you give a shooter, a 40% shooter, like five good looks per game, he will settle himself around 40, 45 yeah. during the season. That is what Utah is doing. And I felt like they, it didn't work as good as, as they, they, they expected, and they went away from it almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Even if Billy said uh, in an interview that he was happy uh, with the shot creating against Charlotte, I get that it was a bad loss. But sometimes it takes, like, you have to recognize why the loss came. And what was good in that loss. And so I, I felt like as soon as the ball start to circulate, as soon as they can get good shots, if they don't win immediately, okay, they throw it out the way, of the way. I mean, I don't know if it's player or if it's coach or if it's both, but that to me was actually, as I looked into those games, I said, well, they are generating the, the, the kind of shots they should look for every single time they are on the court. Mm-hmm. And... For some reason, it wasn't sustainable, and well, at least they didn't sustain that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's—I mean, both of us advocate for Patterson and Abrinas playing more. And to me, it's not only because of the shooting; it's because of their ability to move the ball and to make quick decisions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the Thunder just need those—you need those kind of role players with this team. They're going to move it on quickly. And that's why guys like Jeremy Grant and Robertson, while good defenders, while really athletic, you know, all these traits that you'd really want in a basketball player, like neither of them, you know, have the ability to, to, you know, think really quickly. And you can almost like see them thinking on the court, which is just yeah. not a good thing. Like when Robertson caught that ball and he's been unfairly maligned for this, even by me, you know, when he got fouled by Embiid under the basket. To me, it's not that – I just felt like you could see him thinking for like the like one or two seconds, like, should I even shoot this? Like, should – and why am I you – can, you can almost like feel it through the TV. Like, why am I the guy to take this shot? Like, why me? Exactly. And like – and he missed. And like in my head, like there was no doubt that he was going to miss. And then whenever he got it again, I was just – I mean, I was really happy for him because I, I feel like he kind of needed that. Um, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough league to be a guy that's afraid to have the ball, like yeah. afraid to have the the basketball, you know, in this day and age where it's five out, you know, whip it around the court, find the best shot, man, it's, it's a tough NBA to, to be that guy. in. you know, this isn't, I mean, he would have been great maybe in the nineties where you're just, everything is rough and tough, you know, and you know, you need these gritty type defender guys and, but he like, today is it's it's just really really tough for 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 dre and you can just see it on his face you can see it through the tv that it's it i don't know it's 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 really really tough um so utah they get them twice they get them on a second out of a back-to-back on saturday and then they play atlanta um in town atlanta's not a good team um but again they won they're six and 23 but the Thunder, this is a type of team that the Thunder lose to. This is the, this is, if I'm to like label a game this week, I would call this the Thunder loss of the week because they 
play down to their opponent. And when they see that this team is six and twenty-three, you know, they're the twenty-ninth ranked defense, they're the twenty-first ranked offense, like, oh, well, we don't even have to show up. And <laughs> somehow this team like Gina Schroeder could tear this team up. Our guy Marco Bellanoa that we talked about, Kent Bazemore, like these guys I can just see these dudes getting hot. And you know, John Collins just ripping apart the second unit. Like I can see these things happening because the Thunder continually do this stuff. This is not a good basketball team. This is not a team that should come into OKC and beat this team. Uh, the Thunder should. You know, it's been a while since they really ripped a team to shreds. You know, like the, exactly. like the Bulls game, and they need to do that. Like this is the quality of team that should be blowing out teams like this. But time after time. Orlando, after Dallas, after Brooklyn, after Charlotte, they just continue to let these teams in. And you have to, they have to shove them out and say, you know what, you're not in our class. We are going to destroy you. And, you know, we're going to have garbage time. Like, when was the last time this team had garbage time? You know, that wasn't, that didn't involve them getting crushed. Like, it's just been a long time. And this would be, this needs to be almost like a statement game for this team. Like we can destroy bad teams. Um, but I really have my doubts. I really do. Cause they're a well-coached team. Uh, and they have, they don't have much talent, but they, they have guys that can get hot from three. Uh, and you know, the thunder tend to let teams get hot from three. And so it's just, and I don't know if that's the luck. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the defense. I don't know. I mean, it's probably a combination of the two, but still, um, okay. I'm done ranting about the Hawks. <laughs> No, I mean, you, you, you're spot on. I mean, I mean, uh, I really think that this team needs to feel better again, like to feel good uh, about one game, just to go out, like destroy your opponent, like bury him with with shooting and with and and keep it together uh, for a bit longer. I mean, if you look at the Philadelphia game, the game, the game against Philadelphia, yeah. they were doing that. Up until the last five minutes of the game, where they right. decided to go to, to stop going at what worked and go back to um, a full defensive unit that didn't make sense with a plus eleven cushion. Because if you if you take if you finish that that game well, that is a blowout, right? Basically, yeah, yeah, they, they, they basically control the game all night long. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, up ten yeah, the whole yeah. game. Just keep playing the players. Exactly, exactly. So. They and it was a very good team on their home floor. Uh, it, 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 it was going to be a statement win for KC. Instead, they they let him back in the game, and and so I hope I really hope that one of these games is a plus twenty games, uh, plus twenty win, where they yeah. they, they feel good, uh, they feel some rhythm, they hit shots. I know I know that the quality of shot is more important, but sometimes you have to feel good about your game. And right now they are not feeling good uh, about what they are doing on the court. You just need like a hot game by Russ, a hot night shooting wise by Russ, a hot night by Melo, and just bury them to like a twenty plus, uh, where where everyone is happy, everyone is smiling, and 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 they feel good, and then they go in a back to back game, and they can bring some of that happiness and joy uh, because that is part. I mean, it's it's worrisome to hear them speaking about now. It's we finally we are finally happy after a game. You, you want them to be happy every game. I mean, they, you want them to be to be focused, yes, but happy to be there and to compete and to go into in this struggle mode with with uh, with positive being positive. Uh, because otherwise, I mean, it, it, this season is slipping already from their hands. And if you include like not being happy of what happens on the court, it, it can it, it can become rough in a month or two. And so I, I really hope that one of these weeks uh, and pro, and hopefully also the Christmas game can give them a little bo- a little bit more certainty uh, of what they are. And so having a good win against Atlanta to 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 to, to close this um, can be really really helpful. Yeah, I mean at this like they just need to have fun. Like, yeah, exactly. It's it's hard to remember being a Thunder fan that basketball is fun. <laughs> like this is a game. Like they're supposed to be having fun, and they have so much talent. The expectations are weighing this team down. I get it, but if they could get back to having fun this week, I think that that is something that you can build upon. Because a week from today is Christmas Day, which is awesome because I love Christmas. Two, a week from today they play the Buzzsaw Houston Rockets. 
and the Thunder have shown up against good teams like they just have. They killed Golden State. They beat Philly on their home floor, like you said. I mean, they they show up for good teams, and so I don't have a lot of doubts on how the Thunder will play that day. But it would be really nice if they can get rolling this week. They have very, very winnable games with Gobert out. You know, with Utah, like those are very winnable games. You know, you got Denver tonight. Like they're a terrible defensive team. That's a team that you can beat. Uh, they have a lot of winnable games here coming up. If they can get rolling and they can go on a little win streak and head into Christmas Day, playing fun basketball where they're enjoying each other, and then you know they can they can win on Christmas Day. Like I don't have any doubts about that. You know, it's it's the I have more doubts about Atlanta than I do about Houston on who what team is going to show up, and that's like you're right. It's becoming a part of their identity. Like this is. This is not good. <laughs> this is not a good thing for this team moving forward. Like if they want to be, you know, get into that four or five spot um, with the Timberwolves, which I think would be an, a good matchup for them, and it would be favorable for them whether they're the four or the five. Um, but they're going to have to they're going to have to figure out a way to just beat these teams and figure out a way to show up against bad teams because that that's been. It's been the worst part of the season. Now you're talking about a team that's well over 500, a team that people aren't so worried about. You're a team that you know isn't talking about Paul George trade rumors. If they just beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and they have to figure out a way to do that. And this week they have four games in which they're supposed to beat all four of these teams um, with a home heavy schedule, with teams that aren't very good, with a team that's you know you know, beaten up with injuries in Utah, like they should win all those games. But if I were to predict, and I'm kind of done predicting this team, uh, I would predict that they wouldn't win all four, but they should. And it would be a, it'd be a good, good week to start winning the games that they should. Yeah. Yeah. At least a three, one, a three, one week. They, they put two games, uh, about 500 for the first time in the season, probably. Um, they really should. They really should win three out of four, at least. Yeah. And well, the, the, the Utah game in a back-to-back can be, especially, or the first one, uh, if Steven Adams is not there. You can, you can, like with Steven injury and with the back-to-back at the end of the week, you can, you can take one loss mm-hmm. and still feel good about you. But you really need to go above 500 this week and um, yeah. and go into a Christmas game with a uh, with a two game uh, above 500 thing and just let your second part of the season start with the right foot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Michele, anything else that you want to talk about before we go? No, I mean I'll uh, I'll try to put before Christmas uh, a bunch of stuff on OKC on Twitter and maybe write something um, to, just to to discuss this shooting thing and to, I'll try to analyze this uh, in details um, because I think it's very interesting um, career-wise for us. Um, for the rest, I'll try to uh, watch as many games as possible live and do coverage uh, as I did uh, throughout the season. Yeah, follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Berra, M-I-K-Y-B-E-R-R-A. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at down to dunk. Uh, continue to leave us five star iTunes reviews. You guys have been awesome at that. Uh, you might have some downtime because of the holidays. If you have that, you're just sitting around. You're like, I don't have anything to do. You know, search down to dunk on your phone in your podcast app, Apple Podcasts. It's really simple. You uh, just search down to dunk. It shows up. And you can hit five stars if you want to leave a no- leave a note too. That would really be nice. Uh, we really appreciate you guys doing that. I know there's a lot of you guys that listen uh, that haven't left one yet, and so it would just be really just a kind thing for you guys to do, something you guys could do for us. Um, also, go eat at Andy's. That's something that you can do for us. So, um, But, yes, thanks for listening to our show. Mike, uh, Michele, anything else? Yeah, I, I just want to, since it's Christmas, and I just want to uh, to give Andrew like a shout-out for his season. I mean, he, Andrew, you are one of the best podcasters in OKC, and your work is great on Down to Dunk, on Daily Thunder, on OKC Dream Team. And I mean, if people are not realizing how good you are as a host and as a writer, I, I really encourage everyone to um, to congratulate Andrew for what he's doing this season. Uh, thank you. That's very nice. I appreciate that. I appreciate you being uh, on the show. You know, whenever I was planning this season... I was 
thinking, you know, what can we do that's a little bit different than everybody else? And I thought uh, having you on to preview each week where I feel like, and uh, you know, please tweet at Down to Dunk and at McKelly if you guys agree. But one thing I wanted to do with our Monday show was to see if we can just put as much into it as we could and have our listeners learn as much as they could on Mondays. And then the rest of the week we could have fun and talk, you know, talk trash on other players and whatnot. But I figured like <laughs> this day is like, let's learn about basketball. Let's learn about this team. Let's dive deep. Um, and I think that you've been incredible. So I appreciate you saying those words and I appreciate you being a part of the show. It's been, it's been really good so far. Well, my pleasure. Um, thank you guys for listening to our show and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.